This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Up podcast. I am back and semi-normal. Uh, health has not been of the best in November and December. Uh, it's been a rough one. But uh, hey, before I get started, if you would, I never say this, but if you could subscribe or like or whatever you do, and if you could leave a good review on Apple Podcasts, that would be wonderful. I think even if you just type in a little thing or write a review. I think that helps with some algorithms of some sort. But this November season is what I'm going over in this podcast. I, I do have some guests coming up here, but everyone's kind of wrapping up hunts. Everybody's doing family stuff over Christmas, so it's a little hard to to get things uh, going with some folks. And I totally stood a guy up on a podcast, and I feel horrible about it. I've been so scatterbrained with a lot of things, and Walked right past my time that I was supposed to give the guy a call, so we will get him on here soon. Um, it's Western Huntsman, so I apologize to him. Uh, we're going to get him on here shortly if he'll if he'll reschedule with me. So that was total newbie move, but we'll get him on. Uh, as well as, uh, sounds like we might be able to get Seek outside, um, and then we're going to chat next or soon about balancing family with or so it's called uh, balancing hunting with life is what i got it called and then still ultimate predator decoys there somewhere i'm gonna keep trying with them and then we've got a a bigger guest hopefully coming up here in the next month that uh i gotta say his name yet we'll work on seeing if we can't get that confirmed he said you bet way back when but needed to wait till the the new year so uh this this episode i just want to chat about the november deer season and I know it's almost January, <clears throat> but the the November deer season just has so much hype. And, and when you're talking whitetails for sure, but but mule deer's mule deer also obviously that's when they're they're rutting as well. Uh, unless you're down in Arizona, 
or down further in the south, but in the typical Midwest and West, and hitting those uh, hitting those rut periods, November is the month. I mean, if you even look at that one week in November series with with uh, Meat Eater, I don't typically watch any hunting shows where they're sitting in a tree stand. It just doesn't do anything for me. Can't watch someone sit there and talk about whatever uh, and naming deer. It's just not what it's not a typical Western state thing. And I can't get on board with it. I can get on board with hunting deer from a tree. I understand that. And, uh, I got something to say about that here shortly, but before we get there, the, uh, bow giveaway went great, went to a great guy and he got it all set up. It fits him perfectly. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked to have him shooting that new bow. I told him with 10 days left in the season, get after it, but then work stuff got in the way as well as, uh, some, uh, sinus infection, whatever else. So I guess practice up, buddy. We'll get that, uh, uh, out next season or unless you got three days here, you can get out at some point. So, uh, that's, that's the trouble with having sick kids and, and being sick yourself hunting sometimes just gets put to the side and that's that episode i've been kind of stewing on for the next couple of weeks so what i found out in this november season besides i always get sick in november i remember growing up i had strep throat almost every year and i remember barely getting out of a truck dad set me on a hill and my brothers all kind of walked a little group of trees towards me and I shot a really nice little mule deer buck sicker than the dog and I couldn't even move and I went right back to bed after that I think a couple years in a row I could feel that sore throat in the drive out to our hunting spot and by the next day it sat in there was strep throat so November is notorious for everyone getting sick but me especially it just always hits me Thanksgiving is such a, a rough time and this was no stranger this year Uh, My wife and I and kid all sick somewhere between November to felt stuff coming on in one of us. I lost track of it all, but we were sick and over Thanksgiving and now uh, just getting over some more stuff. Now my wife's sick again. It's just been a stuff going around is unreal. And I don't know if any of it was COVID or not, but uh, it uh, it's rough tired of being sick. I want to be healthy. I want to get out and doing some stuff again and looking forward to some, some ice fishing and a little bit of bird hunting yet since the big game seasons are basically done and tags are filled. So what I'll say, uh, things that I learned in November season was that the timing, I learned a lot about the timing of western whitetails and that's what i speak about was western whitetails dre and i talked about this in last week's episode that she was reaching out to folks that were were big whitetail hunters and and trying to figure out how to how to shoot a white whitetail from the ground they say you can't do it you can't do it of course you can do it but whitetails in the west are, are much different and the timing that i found out speaking with a biologist as well as just some of that uh, personal experience seeing what what uh what the deer doing i just hit my hundredth day in the field doing some sort of hunting or uh trail camp setting scouting anything like that 
hit that yesterday shooting some pheasants with Bailey and it was it was an awesome day. So I got to spend a lot of time in the field, a lot of time watching deer, and I made a lot of mental notes and, and recorded some stuff down on dates and uh, what was happening. So Halloween is a great time at our latitude to be in the field. So I, I do want to preface that. Uh, a lot of deer seasons are kicking off and if you watch Drea's Instagram, she's seeing some mule deer activity kick up and the coos deer rut's gonna is what Ryan has told me is it's gonna kick up in the next couple weeks. So there's that going down down south in the southwest, I should say. Different story, but let's just say at my latitude here in South Dakota, let's go with Wyoming, Colorado too, and Montana, uh, these western states. The Halloween is a great time to be in the stand or in the field hunting. I found out, Andre and I found out, yes, you can get within range of some bucks, It's but it's tricky. If you don't have the the terrain, if you're not spotting, stocking mule deer and in there kind of rolling hills and whatever else, that's totally possible. You can do that just while late season. It's not easy, but it, it's doable. But whitetails in the hills or whitetails in the prairie, if you're trying to, to call and have some interaction with them that's not going to happen very often uh from i had a lot of reports saying that yes deer were responding to rattling and grunts and that that sort of thing from that halloween to early november but i think it's just a little sporadic uh and you just have to have a you get it's a little harder to find that buck that's in that mood uh compared to later in the month Still, I think what's worth doing, I did some rattling, I did some calling at some bucks at that time, uh, early, early in that season, I did have a little interest, and they weren't spooked by it, so I don't think it's a risky thing. I think there, I have watched a buck grunt at him, he said, no way, I'm out of here. Other times. So it, it's a, it, it totally can, can work and be a viable, viable tactic. So white tails is what i'm speaking of here is so halloween is that kind of start of the rut and then by the 13th or so of november is kind of when bucks start that what they call lockdown so they've they've found some does they've heard them up and uh and started their breeding maybe they're staying standing over them maybe that it's a day or two or three of that just chill out time because they're they're, uh, they've got a few does locked down. After that, they started running hard. I would say my best day of the year, uh, which was in the Black Hills, which is also notoriously seven to ten days past the rut, or the main rut of, of the rest of these western deer, is November 20th. So November 20th was about seven to ten days, a little later than rest of our whitetails in the state and uh, out in the prairie of Wyoming and that sort of area. So 20th was the the best day, I think, of hunting. And, and Dad came out and visited, and we, we worked that out perfectly. The timing was perfect. So And mule deer also were just a little further behind, so that was another thing we learned, that those mule deer start that rut just a touch later, that same 7 to 10 days behind that. So there's some dates for you if you're looking to head maybe this way kind of that 13th was actually west river deer season was when that started and if there was any kind of lull in that rutting activity then it was going to pick up here shortly after that 
the tags that I had this year, oh boy, uh, might have gotten a little trouble over that. Uh, had a few too many, not drinks, I had a few too many tags. Um, and I'm going to wrap that up actually into the next episode of Balancing Hunting Life because that works better there. So, uh, but the beginning of the season with Drea, it was a little slow, as, as you remember from the last episode. Uh, but what I, from what I learned is that you really probably need to be in a stand or have a stand or blind location for these mountain whitetails just to be able to cut them off, be where they're at. Uh, they're a little more predictable, it seems like, other than uh, harder to find still because they're they're not in full aggressive rut mode yet but you're you're able to see them move a little bit more trail cam pictures showed some pretty consistent activity so i just needed to find those better spots find out in, in this timber where there's not really a ton of pinch points there's definitely saddles and uh, some of those edges and some of those things that you look for but we're not talking about the type of terrain that's farmland that has a row of trees where they're going to go through that instead of going over the highway. You're talking about bigger expansions of public land that finding pinch points is not the easiest thing or hunting water uh, is probably a pretty good thing. So sitting over top of that early season, but by November, uh, early season, early November, late October, uh, my goal, and I haven't hunted out a tree stand in a long time. My goal for next few years is to find some tree stand locations. I know that's not the type of hunting I used to do or I've done recently. Uh, moving out to Colorado when I was there for the last eight years really brought me away from tree stand hunting and ground blind hunting. I've had some success with that in eastern South Dakota in the past, but I, I got out of it. I really like being more aggressive but I was reminded by the effectiveness of sitting in a tree stand when I went and bought some antlers from an old gentleman. I think he was, I think he said he was 80 years old and he showed me a set of antlers from a Hills whitetail that he shot this last, this year. And granted it was with a crossbow because he must have a, uh, exemption, medical exemption, but he shot a, a deer a really nice buck and I don't care if that was with a crossbow or a vertical bow. It was a really nice buck. And instantly I was like, how the heck did you do that? I, I traipsed all over these hills and I couldn't get it done. But he was sitting in a tree stand and had that patience and finding those spots where those deer cross. And I know that's what uh, Drea's friends were trying to get with at with her of if you got to find where they're at and, and be there and be in a tree and be uh, over top of uh, some of those travel routes. But in the hills, that's hard to find if or in these mountainous areas, they can be kind of trickier to find because without the right lens, they can be a lot easier once you start to put some cameras up and get an idea how these deer move. These mountain whitetails uh, move just not the same as you would think. So Took a little bit more to, to lay my eyes on some trail camera footage and see, oh, okay, this is not that difficult. I can figure this out. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. 
Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So in the next few years, guess I got to get myself some tree stands, which I have none left after getting rid of them way back wh- way back when. And then I did that episode with the, a uh, long time ago, did an episode with... Uh, wild edge tree saddles don't buy his uh i asked i had talked to that guy after the i didn't talk to that guy after that interview he wouldn't talk to me so um don't buy his it was a fine episode and he sort of educated us westerners on the uh, how to use a tree saddle but i don't think he he really enjoyed chatting with me for some reason so uh, don't buy from him go buy something else so we had, uh, obviously I've got all these archery seasons that I was doing and Dre and I were, were chasing bucks with our bows, trying to, to get after it in the hills. But in the middle of all that, we had our West River rifle season, as well as my, uh, Black Hills rifle tag. So we have all these different tags that you can draw. I uh, had a wonderful West River hunt. I haven't had one of those those rifle hunts in the longest time since I was a kid or college and high school. Uh, but had a, had a really great experience, got some permission on a, on a sweet little piece sitting over a Creek and had some trees, had a lot of activity right away in the morning, but man, did it sound like a war zone, just rifle shots going all over the place. So if you're looking at some of these States that do have, a uh, good number of tags that take zero preference points. Uh, just be ready for that on opening morning, whether that's antelope or or deer. Those those kind of units really can be just a lot of shooting all over the place, and you just want to plop yourself down with a whole lot of orange on so everybody sees you. But it actually worked out to be in our favor. My uh, coworker went and actually ended up shooting a little buck right away, and uh, that day we I totally missed a, a doe twice uh come to find out my my dope chart my gun was a little off so uh the next day i went out there and and uh, had a sitting on a creek had a little doe walk underneath me um shot her ran off i uh, saw a really nice buck running away from me i must have spooked him in that process and he was chasing after a doe in some trees about three four hundred yards away so I said, I'm getting down off of this little bluff, going to sneak up on these things, and did just that. And about 200 yards, shot him, and he went 20 yards or so. And that was my biggest white tail to date. Really, really nice 5 by 4 I believe is what he is. And uh, if you check out my Instagram back in November, that's me and Ty uh, sitting in the yard. I brought him home so we could take a picture. And uh, landowner uh, photography skills are, are not the greatest, honestly, a lot of people's photography skills are not the greatest. Mine are not great, but I really learned and worked on taking good pictures in the field. In the back of a truck are horrible. Uh, in 
on the ground looking down at the deer are horrible. Uh, other ones that are way too far away, you, you don't need the legs of the deer. If they're spread out all over the place, you don't need five feet of grass on either side of the deer. Uh, there's a really good podcast. I think Hoyt did it. I think that's what it was. They did. They had a photographer on, and I really took that to heart. That was way back in 2019, I think it was. But I, I listened to that podcast like, oh, I'm going to do that. So what they did is if you're looking at the person holding the deer, they kind of gridded it out all the way down low, literally a foot off the ground, and created a little grid. And so from left to right, taking pictures of the hunter and that deer all the way down, all the way up, across, up, across, up, across. So you've got various angles of that person holding that deer. Then you do it again, that person holding deer a different way. I know that sounds a little silly, but I don't have, the only set of antlers I do not have are my first bucks, let alone a picture. I don't have a picture of that buck at all. So there is no picture out there anywhere that I know of uh, that is me of my first buck. Um, and no fault to me or my <clears throat> my family. I may have had one of those little uh, disposable cameras in my pack. I don't know. Uh, we just It's just not a thing. We just didn't take a lot of pictures. We were busy hunting. And it's just not something that we, we did a lot of. So... I would really suggest to, to capture those memories, to capture those those things, to, to take some pictures. And I know grip and grins are getting a bit of a, a wrap right now, but maybe maybe clean them up, uh, make them so they're presentable. But then you also can you can take really good pictures. You don't have to post them everywhere. They're they're great pictures for you and your buddies and for your yourself to to share with your your family. So I would highly highly suggest. I'm a big advocate for gripping grins and taking pictures and i think that's another great way to res- to respect the animal and and to uh, uh make sure that that's that's a a memory that we're we're reliving and remembering uh that hunt because otherwise that meat it goes away uh i know people say you can't eat antlers but um you can sure enjoy them and i got them all around me right now and i get to look at them and that helps me remember and i know the meat off of them tasted great and i loved it but uh it's gone that's all gone whereas the turkey turkey fans and the and the antlers and everything are all right above me here and i get to to remember that as long as long as i keep them there so uh but yeah that that hunt ended really really successfully and i was pleased and actually as i'm walking back i still had three more doe tags and there was uh, two more does sitting in some some trees snuck up on there shot one shot the other ended up with with uh quite a few deer in the back of the truck and had to uh um get them out of there so uh we have it's an area with a lot of doe tags and uh that's uh, trying to reduce that population of deer because there's just so many that even when you do go and shoot that many it's like nothing nothing happened you didn't even do anything so but on the 20th november 20th that's what i was telling you is was that really really good day my dad came out and visited and we had just an awesome day of buck interactions one after the next after the next we kept calling just appropriately we knew exactly 
what to do to make them come in, and we ended up calling eight bucks in that day. Uh, unfortunately, only one died to my rifle, but couldn't get it done with our bows. Uh, when you're calling deer in, yeah, you, you range everything around you, but it just looks so much different when they come in, and you never know which area they're going to come in at, so it makes it kind of tricky to know distances uh, and, and to get that to happen. So we uh, we had a couple right off the get, out the gate that were missed um, between either my uh, coworker, my dad, or um, – nope, I didn't miss any of those that day. And uh, um, But I missed plenty later. Called in one of them probably towards the end of the day. Yeah. So that, that nice buck came in. What I found out for rattling in deer, I thought previous years they'd just come running right in. This year, uh, they they didn't to me. So I, I think I called more deering because I was a little more patient and let them just kind of creep in a little bit. So they, my my dad had a shot on this deer. Uh, Coker had a shot on this other one or on the same one. They missed it, and I said, ah, I'm going to go fill that tech. Uh, I had a rifle, chased after the deer, it kind of took off a little ways, and, and I was able to watch it kind of make a big circle and ended up taking that. That buck is my first uh, Hills whitetail. So that was a, a fun, fun little little hunt, and I haven't shot something with my dad for quite some time. Uh, probably his bear was the last thing that we have shot together and successfully recovered. So that was a, a fun little, little thing to do with dad. Yeah. We had buck after buck after buck and he missed a few. And then the next day I missed a monster. He missed the same monster. And we just, we came away not worried about it whatsoever. The other ways, other than our shooting, uh, it was no big deal. We, we had a great time. We, had a lot of interactions. We had opportunities and what more could we do is maybe some practice. So that was a, a great time. Right after that, I had a buddy come out over Thanksgiving and, uh, called in another five, even though I, I think I hunted for two days with a fever hiking around in the Hills and, and moping around. It was, it was a little miserable, but we ended up calling in five or so. And, uh, I kind of screwed up one of my, for my buddy and, uh, shot one right above the back. Uh, I was the one that shot and, and, uh, even though I told him he was going to be shooting. So, uh, that was totally some mistakes on my part. It's hard to, hard to do things in the moment. Sometimes you, you say you're going to do one thing and you do another. It's just quick decision-making. That's what makes hunting really hard and really fun to figure out the, what decision to make and when and where, and to make it on the fly. So, we kind of screwed that one up. That one got away from us. It just walked away like nothing happened. Uh, I think I hit way high, not even near the spine whatsoever. That deer was just fine. So uh, on that hunt, we had to actually call it a few days early. I just got too sick and was done. And ever since then, archery hunting's been done for me. So but what I can, can really take away from this year is I'm not going to overlook tree stands and blinds. I'm not going to overlook calling and the dates that I that I learned, uh, and then I'm also going to not overlook during the season practice. I know that's important during the practice during the season. Uh, it, it's just so hard because you got all this daylight in the summer, and I go from being 
lights out shooter in summer into August and then September I'm hunting and then October by then uh you've lost a lot if you go a week without shooting I can feel it uh in my steadiness of my shot and that gets trickier and trickier so keeping that practice up even though you don't have the daylight is not an easy thing but it is really, really important. So um, another thing I found is, is also, again, and I knew this is ranging is my issue, range finding, uh, making those field judge moments uh, moments to field judge can be really tricky. That's one of my downfalls, and uh, it seems like I overcompensate. I know that tree is 30. I know it's 30, and then when the deer walks in front, let's say it's 28, uh, I was like, ah, it's 30. I'll go 30, just over 30, just in case. No, there's no just in case. You kind of hit it at 28. So uh, my mind does weird things when deer get in front of me. And it may seem like a, a dumb moment, but it's a, di- a different form of buck fever. I'm not like shaking uncontrollably. It's my decision-making and uh, conscious- my <laughs> consciousness is, is out the window. So it's a that's a that's a funny thing but uh and i know i talk a lot about south dakota but but this all really applies to wherever you're listening from if you can figure out some important dates for the deer seasons you're you're hunting if you can figure out some of those different tactics that maybe you're not using or maybe the ones you are to hone in on them just a little bit better uh that's going to make a lot of a lot of difference And, and then thirdly to to keep up the practice throughout the year I've made some big swings this year in my rifle shooting, and I'm really excited about what I'm going to do in the future. But keep keep up that practice, and whether with a rifle or a bow, uh, I think you can can increase your your success. So uh, enough of me bab- babbling along. I'm getting stuffed up again in my nose. I can get a little nasally here, so I'm sure you don't want to listen to that. But again, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you could go and uh, like and subscribe. Give me a give me a good review. I'd appreciate that. And uh, we've got some plenty of hunting to do yet this fall, even though we're winding down. And I hope you guys are all having a, a successful, successful fall and had a Merry Christmas. I'm Will Cooper, host of Hunt Stands Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.